and we're talking about family today with Genesis 17 as we are all the way through uh, Abraham's life we're looking at through this preaching teaching series uh, we're talking about God's family in a way and Abraham is the father of us all as it says in Romans I think chapter 4 about verse 16 Paul says that's he's the father of us all and and so it's all about family in many ways and because this is a rather interesting chapter um, and we'll dig into this a little bit and what I'd like to do today is give us a bit of background and explanation of some things that are going on here and then have some discussion and use the chat box and perhaps unmute ourselves to talk about some issues around what we learn about God and what we learn about Abraham and therefore hopefully what we learn about ourselves and our relationship with God and what's valuable here for our faith because that's what we're here to talk about is these adventures in faith with Abraham. And here is Abraham on another um, chapter or stage of his faith journey with God. What we have here in Genesis 17 is a watershed moment. Everything from chapter 12 we've been looking at since he was first called has been building up to this moment. Now there's still the high point of the sacrifice of, Ish, of, of Isaac on the mountain to come, but, but this, is the, this is the hinge point, you might say, of everything that goes on in Abraham's life. And it's also very interesting that we have this assurance of the covenant and the assurance of the blessings, which we'll talk a bit more about in a moment, right after the mess of chapter 16. I mean, if you look at like, what's been going on here, chapter 16 was a mess. So let me ask you, what, what, was, what was going on in chapter 16? What just happened? Was it the whole issue with Haggai? The whole... That's right, with Haggai, that's right. His, well, yes, that's right. And... Any other thoughts? People taking things into their own hands, that Leon or, or Sarah? Thank you. Yes. He had, um, uh, Abram had a child by somebody else. Yeah. Exactly. By Hagar. Yeah. By Hagar. Exactly right. So that was Ishmael. Yes. But by the time we're looking now at this story in chapter 17, he's 13 years old. So a number of years. We don't know how many exactly years have passed, but 13 or so. Anything else? Uh, bickering between Sarai and Hagar, yeah, between uh, the maid or slave and her mistress, yes. Dawn and Leah, people not being patient and waiting for God, yes. Impatience was the, perhaps the biggest issue in chapter 16 of all. Uh, God taking notice of Hagar's pain, okay, exactly. She runs away, she goes to the desert, and God finds her there and sees her there. Divisiveness in the family, Annetta. Yeah, uh, what, what a um, dysfunctional family dynamic uh, was developed here. Uh, God's involvement in a crisis. Yes, that's right. So God, God didn't leave things just to play out. He got himself involved to help at least to partly heal the situation. So we see impatience, people taking matters into their own hands, and we see God intervening to help out. All right, let's move on from that for the moment because of time. But that's the background of chapter 17 here. And in chapter 17, we see uh, several long speeches by God. It's quite rare in the scriptures and even in the Old Testament to have a long speech from God. And here we have several interspersed with comments or questions from Abraham. So we've got long speeches. We've got him giving blessings, uh, commands and answering questions from Abraham. We see Abraham's responses to this. Uh, he falls down twice in front of God. Uh, there's some laughter. There's some questions from him, some requests from him. And then there's the action for him to take of circumcision, which we'll come to in a moment. So the overview of this chapter, or some of the uh, key, key issues in this chapter, I would suggest are, firstly, that we see as 
God addresses uh, Abraham, or Abraham as he begins the chapter, he gives him upgraded blessings. Do you like an upgrade? I mean, you know, if you offer free upgraded, uh, uh, a better internet, you take it, right? Uh, I, I've only been upgraded on a plane once, and that was when I was going to India, and I, I uh, was going to do some speaking stuff for the church in Mumbai, and I got to the airport, checked in, no problem. I walked away from the check-in desk, and a person behind the desk called me back. Mr. Cox, would you come back? I said, okay, what's up? He said, he said we've got a very full flight. Uh, would you mind being upgraded? I said, would I mind being upgraded? I said, no, I wouldn't mind being upgraded. What sort of upgrade are we talking about? He said, well, we need to put you in business class. I said, oh, do you have to? Oh, all right, then if you have to. And so I got to fly in business class. And uh, it was nine in the morning when I boarded and they offered me champagne. Um, I didn't take it, but uh, I was flattered and uh, honored. Anyway, an upgrade is nice. And this is what's going on with Abraham here because he's already been told he's gonna get land. And now he's specifically told you're going to have this land, the land of Canaan, the whole land of Canaan in verse eight, where you now reside as a foreigner. So he's already in the land, but his status is still one of foreigner. And he's told that he or at least his descendants will receive that land as their own possession. So there's an upgrade on the status of the land. And then we already know that Abraham is going to be a great nation. That's back from Genesis 12. But along the way, he's been told that his uh, descendants will be like dust. Then he's told they'll be like stars. Now he's told not just that you will be a great nation, but great nations, plural, will come from you. So nation to nations and kings will come from you. So and we know that from history. That's exactly what happened. Nations and kings upgraded promises and the upgraded understanding of through whom the, the son will come, because he's been told he'll have a son. Now he's told it's Sarai through whom he's going to have the son his original wife who put it that way because hagar is now also his wife but the original wife and so that's the promise is going to come through sarai upgraded promise and finally upgraded covenant because we've had the covenant in chapter 15 which we looked at recently and that was where god moved between the, the uh, slaughtered pieces of the animals and a sacrifice so we've had that covenant and we know that god has promised abraham protection uh, whoever blesses you are blessed whoever curses you i will curse and even though your people will be taken into slavery, uh, the prophecy is there in, Acts, in Genesis 15, uh, there will be an exodus. But now he says the covenant will be with you and your descendants um, in uh, everlasting. This, this covenant in verse, for example, 19 is an everlasting covenant, or it could be translated eternal covenant, but a one that doesn't end. And so it's not just a covenant with you and some of your descendants, but it is for all time. So we've had we've got several upgrades in the uh, in the promises here in the blessings, which is amazing. If you're Abraham, it was already it was already pretty good. Now it's on another whole nother level. And then we have Abraham's part in this. What's Abraham's part? Well, God tells him uh, your response to this to keep my covenant is to circumcise all the males that you have in your household and under your uh, sway, shall we say. So that's what you need to do. Uh, God did his part of a covenant in Genesis 15, we could say, in moving between the animals. And so he put himself, in a sense, under a curse there. Now he says, Abraham, it's time for you to do something. Of course, what he's asking Abraham to do is a really small thing compared to what God's promising him. But nonetheless, he has something to do. And it is the circumcision and it is the it's called the sign of the covenant. So it's not the substance of the covenant. It's the sign of the covenant. That's for Abraham to do. 
And then we have a section from verse 15 where God explains what happens to who, what's going on here with the people. And so he says that Sarai uh, will no longer be called Sarai, but Sarah. We don't know the exact significance of that because the bo both names mean princess. And since Abraham is the father of us all, I suppose Sarah is the mother of us all, and therefore all women are truly biblically princesses. I think that's now a biblical doctrine. Uh, I think we've known it for a long time, but it is a fact that all women of faith are in fact a princess. Of course, they should always be treated like that, but now uh, princesses on this court, you have the right to expect it of the men in your life to treat you like a princess, just so you know. Yeah. Anyway, so, and Penny's cheering there. So we'll have to work out and negotiate the, uh, the terms of what that actually means uh, later. Anyway, so she, it, both names mean princess. So it just, it may be a symbolic thing of changing the name to say, now it is you that is going to have the child. So she's, she has that. And uh, also um, uh, we know that Isaac is going to be the one through whom the continuance of the covenant uh, comes. We find that. And then we find out that Ishmael is going to be a great nation. We, so this is what's happening to the different people involved here. And then at the end of the chapter, we have Abraham's response. And his response is on that very day. He takes his son Ishmael, who's 13, himself is 99 years old. All of the people born in his household or bought with his money, every male and circumcised them. And it keeps emphasizing that circumcision, circumcision, circumcision. Uh, on that very day, all the males, every single one of them, they're all circumcised. So this is what's going on. We've got God's speeches, upgraded blessings. We've got explanation of the significance of the covenant, the sign of it. Abraham's part in that. What's happening to who? Abraham's response. And at the end of the chapter, all the males are circumcised. And the scene is set for chapter 20, 20 really, the, the birth of uh, Isaac. But we'll come to that in due time. So this is a, it's a culmination of some things. And it's a setup to more amazing things coming. So here's where I'd like us now to have a bit of discussion, again, either in the chat box uh, or you can unmute yourself, is first of all, let's consider one or two things. Firstly, let's consider what we're learning here about God. What is this revealing to us about God? So I've got some specific questions and then we'll go on to talk about uh, Abraham as, as well. As well. Oh, because Abraham also gets his name changed from Abraham. Abraham to Abraham, meaning father of many, father of nations. So let's talk about God for a little bit first. When you read this chapter or think about what we've been talking about here, what do you think is God's hopes for Abraham? What does he, what does he hope that what he's doing for Abraham will achieve? What kind of hints do we see in this chapter in the speeches of God to give us an idea for what his hopes are for Abraham, what he's expecting to achieve through Abraham, what he's hoping for, for Abraham. So let's think about that for a little bit. Um, any thoughts on any thoughts on that issue here? What God expects of Abraham or hopes he will achieve through Abraham, formalize, is it this from Leah or Dawn, so to formalize a nation's relationship with God and to lead that nation through him. Yeah, okay, that's that's great. Thank you. Other thoughts? What's going on here? EVA says God wants Abraham to trust him even more deeply. That's a great insight, EVA, because I'm going to come on to that a bit more in a while, that point about a deeper trust, because Abraham needs it. That's a, that's a very good insight. Thank you. All right, other thoughts? Um, I would say that God is always eager to leave behind 
the things we've we've done bad <laughs> and give us another start a fresh start yeah yeah and and indeed abraham gets this chapter 16 has been a mess but hey god's mm. still got a vision yeah, yeah a new start very good point mm. uh barry or kate that abraham will inspire all descendants to love god as he does yeah <laughs> yeah you know if abraham can take this up and live this way it'll be an inspiration for not only him but all of the people that he will influence yes yeah. uh, garth and lissy steadfast he's hoping for steadfast faithfulness and leadership now that's interesting yeah okay leadership abraham's meant to lead this family this household all the people he's got influence over yeah great other thoughts Jane, cutting off the old life of sin and some purification. Yeah. Now, there's a sort of connection there with baptism in the New Testament, isn't there? Colossians 2 talks about that, which we won't be looking at today for time. But that's, that's, that's a great point. What do you make of the fact that God waited until Abraham was 99 and Sarah was 90 years old before giving them these upgraded promises and the explanation about Sarai and the covenant of circumcision? What, what, what do you make of that? God waited till Abraham was 99, and my father's older than me, but, you know, not, not 99, not yet. Uh, we're on our way, but uh, 99, and, and his, his wife, 90, you know? So, any thoughts on that? Uh, Dawn and Leah, so they really knew it was God doing it? Yeah, I think that was Abraham's con uh, conclusion, wasn't it? It was God. Patience and faith. Yeah, patience is a strong thread all through Abraham's life and the evidence of his faith and when it goes right and wrong is to do with patience and impatience. Good thread there. Garth and Lissy, everything is possible with God. Yep, it demonstrates that. Any other thoughts about why? God is saying, is reminding Abraham what he said 10 years before that, that he didn't forget his promises. Okay, he didn't forget. Yeah, God, because we said last week, we don't know whether Abraham this promise... Abraham would have forget. <laughs> yeah. Abraham yeah. would have, oh God, what do you mean by that? Let's see what is going on. <laughs> I feel by myself sometimes saying that to myself and then, uh-oh, <laughs> things happen. <laughs> things happen. You're quite yeah. right. Okay, let me throw in another question here for people to think about as well. This might be my last one on, on God. I think I find it very interesting that God does not rebuke Abraham for his laughter. The first time Abraham falls down and worships at the beginning of the chapter, effectively, like he, um, he falls face down and God speaks. The second time he falls down, he falls down again in where are we in verse 17. He falls face down at, at the at the um, having been told that Sarah is going to be the mother of uh, his son. He laughs, he laughs, he falls down and laughs. It, but he laughs to himself because it says, he said to himself, will a son be born, you know, to a man a hundred years old. But he doesn't say that to God. It says to, he says to God, what about Ishmael? So uh, is, this looks like something that God might correct him for or rebuke him for. So what might be the reason that God did not and does not rebuke Abraham for his internal sotto voce laughter waiting to 99 years old shows that God will or can fulfill his promises despite the physical situation doesn't make it look very likely. Yes. Barry, Kate, his laughter is not aimed at God, but a total amazement about the possibility. Mm, I think that, that must be a, an implication of why God does not directly deal with it. 
Jane, God accepts our flaws and knows that we have doubts. Yeah, and that's right. Our doubts don't 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 uh, don't surprise God. He can handle it. I think. Any other thoughts? So I think for me, it's um, Becky. It's, it, Becky was saying that in many ways, everything human is stripped back, so it has to be God. And in many ways, it's just as miraculous as the virgin birth, because biologically impossible to have a baby at 90 years old for a woman. Right. Um, so that's probably why it's just such a laughable thing for Abraham. Um, it's impossible. <laughs> It had to be. It would have to be a miracle, just like the virgin birth. Right. Yeah, Dad, give me a second here. God also has a sense of humour because Isaac means laughing who loves. Okay, I, I don't know if you could catch that. As my father correctly pointed out, Isaac, the name means laughter or he laughs. Yeah. And so you got this um, double meaning here, almost like a pun. Mm. You, he's been told he's going to have a son, uh, Abraham, and and. And Abraham laughs in response, which is like a prophecy of the name that's about to be revealed of the son, which is not revealed at that point. It's revealed in verse 19 after that, that his name is Isaac, which means laughter or he laughs. So there's an interesting, you know, it's in the Hebrew, obviously, but it's an interesting connection. Mm. Other thoughts. Um, oh, we've got here a few more. God knows the limits of our understanding. Yep. Thanks. Uh, okay. Dawn and Leia. God knew he needed to build Abraham's faith, not knock it down. Okay. He's on a, you know, I'm here with you, Abraham. I'm going to help you out. Birth and rebirth, Jane, seems to be very symbolic in the Bible. Yes. Yes, it is. Very. Okay. Fulfilling the promise was going to be more effective in building faith rather than rebuking the doubts. Right. God chooses the right time to confront the doubt and the right time to, to leave it be. We see that with Jesus, actually. He doesn't always rebuke when he could. Uh, the laughter could be about Abraham's joy. Yes, Garth and Lissy. I think there's also that in the background here. Jolly good. That's, that's excellent. Uh, well, this is all helpful and true. Um, let me summarize this, and then let's go on and talk a bit about Abraham himself. So part of think what's going on here with God is... God is, is showing Abraham what it means to continue to walk with him. So we know Abraham walks with God. We know that Abraham's faith is very personally meaningful to him. It's not just a theoretical uh, uh, connection with a deity. It really is something quite personal right from the beginning in chapter 12 and all the way through chapter 15 and up to chapter 17. And one of the things that God says to Abraham at the beginning of the chapter is, I am God Almighty walk before me faithfully and be blameless walk before me and this is similar to what it says about enoch that he walked with god and then was no more he walked with him but it's phrased slightly different in the hebrew and it's translated here walk before me and what it implies is not so much go my way though that's true but go with me let's go together through this abraham and part of what's going on, I think, with God in this chapter is that he's showing Abraham this relationship you and I have is going to become more challenging in some aspects, but deeper in other aspects as well. And those two things go together. As you go through your life of faith, you need to get deeper with me and I'm going to help you with that because things are going to get more exciting and frankly, they're going to get more challenging. And we know life is so often like that. 
so I think something of that is going on. We've got, in a sense, perhaps a growing understanding of the partnership that God wants to have with humankind. Always did from the from Eden uh, in Eden, but always wants to re reconnect with humankind and be a, in partnership with humankind in a real relationship. God is devoted to his covenant that he has already made with Abraham. And now he's giving Abraham an opportunity to take his part in this, to make, play his part in this, to uh, demonstrate in a sense his devotion to the covenant by enacting circumcision, which God uh, explains to him. Okay, so that's God. Now what about Abraham? Let's, let's think about Abraham a little bit here. What are we learning about him and his relationship with God, his understanding of his faith? Firstly, how do you suppose Abraham might be feeling as he hears all these upgraded promises? I, I would find it hard to hear it without. Where's the sun? Where's the sun? Right. Many yeah. saying, yeah, where's the sun? So be okay, great. Thanks, God. All this land and nations and kings and covenant and yeah, fine. But but where's my son? I mean, this is not gonna nothing's gonna work here without the son. He's not mentioned the son again here yet in this chapter. That's a really good point. So he could be forgiven for being give me some more detail. The security of staying versus the insecurity of leaving and following God, Jane. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Jane, under pressure. Hmm. Under pressure. Sometimes promises can, even good news, can make you feel a bit under pressure, like I've got to well, live up to something. Go on, Danny. I, I feel quite challenged, this prospect of raising a newborn at 99 years old. <laughs> I find it quite challenging in, in my 20s and 30s, in my 40s, but at 99 years old, the idea of bringing a new child into the world is uh, quite daunting. This is exactly something like a promise. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Ninety nine, bringing up a newborn. Mm. He has to he has to fulfill his bit in just three months time, because this time next year, Sarah will have a uh, a child mm. uh, and he's just been circumcised. Think about it. Yeah, <laughs> what do we think, John? That's pressure. <laughs> we think there's got to be something about Abraham, the, the timing of all of that and that you know, he, he couldn't just kind of rush to get the, the promise fulfilled because there was this sort of, you know, physical thing he had to get over first. And <laughs> I find all of the time quite interesting. Yeah, Penny, Penny's got a point. Maybe there's something also though about... Can you, can, can you hear Penny speaking? Okay. Yeah. Maybe there's also something about, he's moving from being a tenant to having land. Hmm. So outside of the descendants bit, there's this is a real game changer from uh, in, in terms of sort of commercial property status. I don't know. Yeah, that's a big change. It's a big change from being a someone who rents as opposed to someone who owns. Right. That's a big change hmm. for him. Uh, what do we got? Joyful and scared, says Simone, at the same time. Joyful and scared. Yeah, together. Uh, a lot will happen for him and his family. Uh, okay, I bet he had a but in his mind for every single promise. Yes, I'm, I think so. Think about Sarah giving birth at 99. <laughs> Good point, Barry. That's a bit of a challenge. Uh, the Palmer's encouraged by God's promises. He could have been encouraged, but been very faith building. Absolutely. Any other thoughts? 
Uh, I'm thinking of Mary when, when she said that she's going to be a mother very young. You said, I let God do whatever. I don't know if Abraham was feeling the same way. <laughs> I mean, I know he is my friend and he says all this. Let's, <clears throat> let's see how it works if he's just saying it. Mm. I hope he didn't doubt a lot. I don't know. <laughs> well, we, we don't, we'll ask him one day. You can ask him. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Right? <laughs> yeah. A lot of questions we'll have for Abraham at some point, and Sarah, and, and, and others. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure of that. I mean, we're not absolutely sure. So I'm only really asking you to try and put yourself in his shoes and imagine, right? But how do you think you felt about the whole circumcision deal? I mean, you know, it's one thing to cut up some animals, which is challenging enough, but, you know, not that odd in that culture and, and arrange them and have God walk between them in chapter 15. But now he's being told, I've got all these upgraded blessings and your part in this um, bargain, if you like, is uh, you need to get circumcised, you're 99, but also persuade every single man in your household which we know must have been a thousand plus people because he had over two and nearly 300 fighting men in, in chapter uh, 19. So he's got probably got at least a thousand people, maybe half of those are men, maybe more in his household. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any ideas on how he might be responding to that? To go? He made sure he had a really, really, really sharp knife. He would have made sure of that. He'd have been sharpening that knife, or perhaps even a whole set. Yes. Imagine if you had to tell the church in Watford, all right, blokes, this is what we're going to do this week. Our midweek meeting this week, men, coming up, <laughs> is, is, a, is our special circumcision Wednesday evening. And by the way, bring all your sons, and we'll do them at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. What an interesting... By, I'm sure Abraham. I'm sure Abraham led by going first. <laughs> yes. Who would have circumcised him? It was he. I assume he circumcised them as acting like a priest. But uh, who, would who would have circumcised, circumcised him? him? My dad says, "Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, they may have had proto priests as part of his mm. uh, retinue, maybe, um, or maybe he did himself. I mean, I don't know." <laughs> That's when you need a best friend. That's when you need a best friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine this? Um, if you've got a best friend, it's going to be, we're not going to hurt each other, are we? <laughs> Whatever <laughs> no, you do, to, I'm going to do to you. That's it. That's it. Bear in mind. That's right. Be careful because you're next. Um, yeah. So here's, here's uh, another. Oh, sorry, Matt. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it says a lot about, um, you know, how, how his, his family and entourage looked up to him and his relationship yeah. with God. That mm. this, you know, seemingly very sort of bizarre request was then obeyed by them all. And, uh, and I, I just, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know if, my, if I suggested that to our boys based on the demonstration of my relationship with God, whether they would uh, obey quite so quickly and easily. 
Exactly. And for a specific, and for a spiritual reason, you know, not, not some medical reason, not some, you know, practical thing that was particularly beneficial in any way, but because God says this is the right way to honor the fact that you say you have faith in me and we want to work together and be a, be in partnership. Quite something, isn't it? Did they, um, um, Malcolm, did they know what circumcision was? Cause it's not, it's not easy. You know, I mean, it's, it sounds like they just sort of went and did it without any instructions. Um, you know, and of course, there's the health risks as well of snipping bits Indeed. off. Yeah. Um, my, my, my doctor says. I think it was an accepted practice. Yeah. At some of the other nations around them. Yeah, right. They already did it. So. so I don't know if you can hear that, but she's right. So some of the other nations of that, in that area of the world did circumcise not the ones immediately around Abraham and not where he came from in Mesopotamia, clearly, or else he'd have already been circumcised if, if they did it in Mesopotamia where he and his family originally came from. So we know that it appears that most cultures of his day did not circumcise and it did set them as, apart in that sense as being circumcised, but there were other cultures that did circumcise at that time. So it wasn't an unknown practice. So there would have been people around who who knew how to do that and um, could have instructed Abraham perhaps and his his people. All right, I think we better move on from this uh, this particular topic uh, before we get so, too distracted. Um, last question about Abraham, and then we'll wrap up by looking at um, a, a passage in Galatians. Actually, um, last question about Abraham. Given that given that God says this, you know, around this time next year, your son will arrive. It doesn't, doesn't say precisely uh, was, uh, by by this time next year. All right. Um, why do you think Abraham was so um, speedy at carrying out this command? It tell, it, say, it it emphasizes it in verse twenty three on that very day, and again in verse twenty six on that very day. He's speedy and he's thorough. It emphasizes is urgency and it emphasizes his thoroughness because it keeps saying words like all those born every male uh, again uh, every male including those born in his household or born from foreigner it emphasizes the thoroughness and it emphasizes the urgency so something is being said to us there what do you think was the motivation by that behind that and why he got he didn't have to he could have done it progressively over days weeks months or he could have said, well, I'll, I'll wait for six months and do it then. Um, what's the big deal as long as it's between now and I guess a year from now. So any thoughts on this combination of urgency and thoroughness? Any thoughts? Yeah, anyone who does not get circumcised will be cut off from his people. In the Hebrew thinking, cut off usually meant death not just separation, so maybe killed. Not doesn't say it specifically, but that would have been a reasonable interpretation of being cut off. Believe. He believed. Believe. Yeah. Really believed. Yeah. Full trust. Yeah, willingness to be with God. Okay, in this partnership. Malcolm, not is it obedience? Obedience? Uh -huh. Because, you mm -hmm. know, when we put things off, it doesn't have quite so the same sort of effect, but also we probably deliberate a lot more given the opportunity. Yeah, which can be a, a when it's an unpleasant activity um, that needs to be carried out, then delay doesn't usually make it better. 
usually makes it worse, right? And, uh, Garth and Lizzie do not procrastinate with God. Yeah. Co yeah, that's right. I mean, hesitancy is never a spiritually positive thing. Uh, caution can be, and co considering things carefully can be, but not hesitancy. Um, the Palmer's, his heart was ready. Strike while the iron is hot. Absolutely. He's got, I guess at this point, he's particularly full of joy and conviction about the promises and the prospect of his son arriving in about 12 months time. So why not? You know, he's excited. Yeah. General thoughts. And then have a look at, Gen at uh, Galatians 6 to, to finish. And then we'll take communion together, as we always do, which I think you'll find is very appropriate from the passage in Galatians 6 that will link together some of these thoughts and what Jesus has done for us. I think when I'm looking at this passage and reflecting on it um, and thinking about thinking about even uh, life in general at the moment and how how tough it's been for us in lockdown part two or three or four or whatever part we're in, I don't know, I've lost count, right? Uh, the COVID-19 scenario, the challenges that many of us still face financially or homeschooling as well as working very demanding, very tiring, um, and tiring, I think, emotionally as well as physically. When will this end? Not being able to see a clear light at the end of the tunnel. All of these things um, at the moment are revealing to us in some kind of compressed way, generally what happens in life. And in life, what happens uh, to a person of faith following Jesus is uh, hopefully, uh, well, it tends to happen a couple of things. One is that as we go through the Christian life, we find that our relationship with God hopefully deepens, meaning we see, we see Jesus more clearly for who he is, how amazing he is. He should be more amazing to me after 10, 20, 30 years as a Christian than after two or three, in a sense that I've got a bigger picture. Jesus becomes more, more 3D more more full color um he develops greater depths as we study his life and his teaching and and walk through life with him and, and the spirit and god becomes somehow a little bit more a little bit more um a little bit more full in the way that we understand him and experience him going through life that doesn't happen just because we have god it seems to happen because as we go through uh increased levels of challenge that tougher things happen in life whether it's to do with our own health our own life circumstances and uh, financially whether it's to do with unrealized dreams and hopes visions that we'd had that aren't happening uh, whether it's to do with other people around us that are hurt or find life difficult as the difficulties mount then then we are the not perhaps the purpose of those but at least the blessing that can come through it is that we're drawn closer to the heart of god blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall see god they shall know god they shall be close to god and, and so that these things go together and we see this in abraham's life as as he goes into greater blessings he also faces greater challenges and this means that he is able to be in this kind of partnership of walking before god and i think we're all to some extent or other feeling this at the moment particularly strongly i know we are at home here uh with my mother um out of intensive care but far from out of danger 
and uh, we're all feeling for her. We're feeling, um, we're feeling a bit desperate for her. She's still stuck in the hospital for we don't know how long. Uh, we're feeling for each other as we're doing our best to support each other. Um, it, it's it it doesn't feel normal, um, and we're like we're enjoying being and seeing each other and supporting each other. But it definitely is very strange. And you know, I've told a few of you, I I felt like God is with me, but I also have felt quite flat at times and just demotivated and lacking in energy and. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with me as such in that. I think it's a natural response. But I think it, it's one of these things that happens in life is that we need to get deeper with God. And through Abraham's life, God helps him to go through experiences and have ways of being deep, getting deeper with him. Hopefully, the longer our spiritual life goes on, the greater clarity we have about our own weaknesses and the greater the greater are our joys with God. And this is something that Abraham is, is offered. We're on a discovery. We're on an adventure with God. We're learning about God. We're learning about ourselves. And we're understanding the greater beauty as well as the greater tragedy of life on this earth that will be all changed one day. Now, let's have a look at Galatians uh, 6 here to wrap up. And I'm going to read a chunk of chapter 6 make a couple of comments and then we'll take uh, bread and wine together. Beginning of chapter six in Galatians, Paul writes this, and of course the whole book of Galatians is largely about the law and circumcision comes up as a topic many times. But he says this, that if anyone is caught in a sin, brothers and sisters, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. So we're a community meant to help each other through difficult times, sometimes of our own making, sometimes not. He says, watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. So we're working together here. Uh, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. We really need each other here, as we say. Each one should test their own actions, and they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to somebody else. For each one should carry their own load. We have to take responsibility. Then he says, nevertheless, uh, he says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap, reap eternal life. And then a key phrase, I think, here for all of us. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As we go through a wearying time, let us not become weary in doing good, he says. And then he says uh, to those who are trying to make the Galatians get circumcised as Christians, which they don't need to do, he says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. These people are boasting that I'm a Christian and I'm circumcised. Look, that's, that's a more holy way to go. He says, no, I may, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. What counts 
is a new creation. Circumcision was meaningful for Abraham because that's what God wanted for him to, to cement their, their covenant together. But ultimately, that circumcision was a sign of the covenant. It is not the covenant itself. It did not bring new life. Instead, what brings new life is faith, operating by faith in a line, in a line with God's spirit. And so our way of living by faith is to live in accordance with the spirit, not because of something practical or physical, but because it's a, a, the way we live to please God is a demonstration of the fact that we trust him and we love him. Neither uncircumcision nor circumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. We've been given new life in Christ. The cross tells us we've got new life. And because of that, we are able to celebrate no matter what else is going on. He finishes off by saying in this letter, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus the grace, I love the way he ends the letter, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. So as we take bread and wine now, as we take bread and wine now, we are celebrating the fact that we've been given new life. We've been made a new creation. We walk with, with Jesus through this life in an ever more challenging, but ever more deepening and joyful life isaac's name means he laughs you know we can have joy even in the midst of our trials at the moment because we trust jesus who is willing to go to the cross so that we could have new life let's pray together before we take this bread and this wine father we want to thank you so much that you brought us together today thank you that we can do this together as we sit here and pray and then as we take bread and wine remembering that you've bonded us together as a community by the blood of jesus we thank you for the inspiration of faith that we see in abraham in his heart in his mind and the way that he lived to please you father we thank you for his example of faith which meant that he was willing to do what was difficult unpleasant but he, he was willing to do it because he trusted you we know it's that quality of his faith that is so inspiring. We pray to help us today to trust you for the circumstances around us, that we won't be knocked off course, that we won't become weary in doing good for one another and anybody you put in our lives that we can show the love of Jesus to. Give us strength beyond what we think we have. Give us patience beyond what we can normally bear. Give us the strength of the spirit in us, Father, that's, that's available to us because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And as we take the bread and wine now, help us to be refreshed by remembering your love for us, that Jesus would be willing to shed his blood and to allow his body to be broken so that we can have new life. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his love. Thank you for the grace that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take bread and wine together.